And now, the number one audio program that helps you to hire, get hired, and soar higher in the Salesforce ecosystem. It's the Salesforce Career Show with Josh Matthews and Vanessa Grant. Well, welcome, everybody. Very excited about our special military-focused episode today. Not only am I here, not a vet, and Vanessa, also not a vet, but we've got some amazing veterans um, up on stage. They are are, uh, very special guests. Um, We have uh, Mr. Philip Anderson. And Philip, why don't you go ahead and just give us a quick introduction of yourself? Hey, Philip Anderson here, um, coming live from... uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was on vacation. Uh, Air Force veteran, Deloitte consultant uh, within the government and, or GPS, and uh, you know, specializing in Salesforce. All right, thanks, Phil. And we also have David Scott Nava. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Dave Nava here, lead solution engineer at Salesforce, uh, also in global public sector or GPS, uh, helping our DoD customers discover the wonders of Salesforce. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, David, you did forget to share that you're a golden hoodie. I think most people who know you already know that, but that's an extremely uh, special and rare honor. Uh, And we're honored to have both of you guys on the show today. But we've got some other veterans on the show, too, like Larry Lee. Uh, Great to see you, Larry. Um, We had a chance to meet at um, Dreamforce. We've got uh, Jason up here. Jason Zykowitz is a regular on our program, as is Peter Gonza. So welcome um, to you guys as well and everybody else who's listening here on the live show. And if you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate you uh, joining us today. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to do so. And if you're listening to this, you can probably figure out how to do that. So what we want to do today is really understand from both David and Phil, really, how did they make their own personal transitions into the ecosystem from uh, a career military professional into technology and specifically into the Salesforce ecosystem, we're going to get down and dirty with them on on this topic, and then also understand some of their specific advice, recommendations, um, and resources that they'll share with us about how you, if you are in the military, if you're active duty, or if you're um, retired from from active duty, but struggling to make a transition and interested in potentially speaking too. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and start with with Dave. Dave, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, happy to do it. Um, again, thanks for having me. So I served for 20 years in the military, uh, and my whole family was military from, you know, great grandfather on down, relative, sister. So that's really all I knew. And I was planning my transition about five years out because I'm a planner and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, initially I thought like a lot of, um, you know, military folks think I'd, I'd, I'd get into project management because that's similar to what we we do on the day to day. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized it just wasn't a good fit. But I didn't know what was a good fit. Um, and so I um, spent some time, did a deep dive in myself, read a few books, and luckily found Salesforce. Um, and you know, I found it through LinkedIn through a, through a mentor of mine who suggested it. Discovered Trailhead, Trailhead Military, and immediately fell in love and, and was sold. Uh, it, it appealed to the project management side of my brain, but it also appealed to sides of my brain that I didn't know I had, like the creative side, problem-solving side. Um, so I spent the next year or so, um, at that point, it was about a year till I retired, 
upscaling on the platform, volunteering with nonprofits, I participated in an internship, and ultimately uh, got hired the day I retired to a platinum consulting firm uh, in the partner ecosystem as a junior solution um, solution architect, uh, building you know building uh, Salesforce implementations for for customers. So. That's in a nutshell. That's that's kind of my transition journey, and happy over the course of tonight's episode to kind of break it down, answer some questions, and dig a bit deeper. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. Really appreciate it. And maybe you can share um, a little bit too about what you you know how you're contributing currently to um, active and retired veterans. Yeah. So I do I do a bunch of outreach. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for anyone that's trying to enter the ecosystem, because I, I know that I, I struggled with it. This was, a, this was in 2018. It was a time before, um, you know, before Trailhead Military existed, it was still VetForce. Uh, there, there were resources, but they weren't as varied uh, and as robust as they are today. And, and a lot of folks that aren't military, right, that are just transitioning into it, um, they don't have the same level of resources. And so I wanted to help folks enter the ecosystem and discover kind of the passions that, that, that I have with, um, you know, with solving customer problems and building things. And so initially I was just kind of ad hoc mentoring for a while, for a couple of years, um, through LinkedIn and, and then eventually through Veterati, which is an online mentoring platform. It's, it's free uh, to sign up. And, and then I decided I, I wanted to, um, kind of scale it and, and reach more people. And the number one problem that, you know, in talking to folks about transitions, whether you're military or not military, when anyone enters the ecosystem, I think one of the first things they think is, holy cow, there's so many different positions, so many different roles. A lot of them sound the same. I don't even know what to pick. Uh, I need some kind of resource to figure it out. Uh, and so I kind of made it my mission to provide those resources. And so I, I, I um, talked to Bill Keeler. Bill's um, one of the co-founders of Resource Hero, which is an app exchange partner, brilliant guy. And he was doing office hours but, um, every Friday. And he still does. Friday's at noon, not Eastern. And he, he said, uh, you know, I reached out and I said, hey, listen, Bill, you know, you you do technical sessions. Um, I am technical, but not not nearly as technical as you are. He's a developer. I'd love to do a Wednesday session if I could just borrow your brand a bit and talk about professional development. Um, so he said, yes, he helped me get set up. He's been a, a staunch supporter ever since. And every week we begin diving into a different career path. Uh, so tonight uh, we had Salesforce Ben on and we were, um, we, we diverged a bit from career path exploration. We were talking about layoffs and market downturns and how to survive those. Um, but tonight was our 99th episode. And we have over 180 videos on YouTube devoted to exploring different Salesforce career paths, as well as skill sets required to enter the ecosystem, how to get in. Uh, from all different perspectives, I invite a different co-host every week. Sometimes it's multiple co-hosts. And so we've had over 180 different co-hosts share their experiences uh, across uh, 4,000 different participants over those 99 sessions. So uh, it's been really, really great to get back to the community, and we're still going strong. Well, that you are, my friend. And uh, today was actually the first time I had a chance to um, show up to the office hours, and I thought it was fantastic. It was uh, a great platform. I love that it's on video. Um, you know, this is this is also nice doing a podcast because I didn't have to comb my hair or put on a clean shirt. Don't worry, my sh my shirt's actually clean. But I I love the format. And that you're able to reach out just on your own and help support so many careers, um, and especially those trying to enter into the ecosystem is is truly remarkable. I, we're going to get back to you here in just a moment, Dave. I'm, I'm curious about Phil's 
transition also. Now, Phil, if I understand correctly, you've been in the ecosystem a little bit less than two years. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And this is what I love about about having the both of you on is we have someone who's been in it just a little bit longer and and, and then someone who's a little bit newer. Um, and that recent experience of transitioning from military um, into the ecosystem is is what we're going to lean on you for today, Philip. So talk to us about what did you do before? What were you doing in the Air Force? And then how did this transition into Salesforce occur for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, thanks for having me. And um, so I kind of am the exact opposite of David. I didn't have anyone in my family that was in the military uh, besides like a cousin who was in Army Reserves. Um, After I graduated college, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had bills to pay and I had no direction. So I asked my sister to pick up a recruiter's uh, card from the Navy because, you know, everyone wants to be a Navy SEAL and uh, watch some videos and realized I'm not a good swimmer. So then I went to the Air Force because none of the jobs really require that much swimming or so I thought. Um, Talked to the recruiter, knew I wanted to do something more, you know, running and gunning and shooting. So uh, joined the Air Force, spent 13 years in special warfare and special operations where I was a uh, JTAC. And my job was to, you know, in, in civilian terms was I was a consultant in chaos. I was the guy on the ground with the commander telling them the best way to utilize air to ground munitions. So I did that, like I said, for about 13 years. And then, uh, was told about 11 and a half years that uh, I can't do it anymore because I was pretty broke from jumping out of planes and, and fast ripping out of helicopters. So didn't have any, you know, once again, what am I going to do? I've been shooting my whole, my whole career field or my whole career. So, um, went and talked to a, uh, a transition mentor and the whole time she was talking about Salesforce and she was saying how, you know, hey, the, you know, Salesforce, we're seeing a lot of veterans go from the military to Salesforce. And for 45 minutes, she was saying Salesforce. And the whole time I thought she was talking about Space Force. So that's actually how I found out about Salesforce was by a, by accident. Just um, a little less uh, risky. Just a little Yeah, just, a, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it, you know, it ended up working out. So, um, got into, you know, found Salesforce. And then I found out about actually David's podcast. And I went and did office hours, spoke to um, a couple of the participants there that actually were uh, Maravis graduates. So I joined Maravis and they, you know, helped me become a Salesforce admin. And, uh, from there it was really just networking, 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 uh, finding out which companies, which firms I wanted to work for, uh, what I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically my story. And it's a good one, man. I'm kind of (laughs) curious. This is just a quick fun question for both you guys. What would be the equivalent of, um, fast roping out of a helicopter in the Salesforce ecosystem. In other words, like, what sort of a slightly dangerous thing that you might have to do that doesn't last very long, but uh, is critical to, to being successful in the ecosystem? I know it's a weird question, but let's see if you can answer it. 
I might have to think. Yeah, about no that. one wants to go first. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's really nothing like it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, you're you're fast roping from 30 feet, and you're probably on a rope for, uh, you know, five seconds maybe. Um, yeah, I don't have really have an answer for that. Okay, honestly, it was a stupid question. Uh, <laughs> now, w- one thing I want to um, ask about, you know. Uh, there was a there was a study, um, there was a study done uh, by Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families that found that veterans are seventy percent more likely to be employed in the fields of technology, engineering, and and math or, or STEM positions in general compared to non veterans. I'm kind of curious if you know what do you guys think about when you when you think about that little factor that little result from that study. And you think about the folks that you were working um, elbow to elbow with in the field um, before your Salesforce days. Does this make sense? I mean, is it, does it ring true um, in any way, shape or form? Like, does it seem obvious in the same way that a lot of musicians who can read, you know, read sheet music, get into coding and development? I'm kind of curious if that's something that you've recognized. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I think um, a, a direct answer is no. Uh, um, no no caveat. So coming out of the military um, and considering a career in tech is not something I ever considered entering. Um, I, I did not consider myself um, tech savvy. You know, I could use a computer, basic Microsoft, um, you know, competencies. Uh, and that was really about it. I, I had technical experience, but it was all military related and it didn't really transition at all to anything currently in the tech world unless I wanted to fly or, or, you know, work, um, with DOD gear. Um, but you know, from, from the inside now looking back out, I'd say absolutely. Cause what you have to realize is, is tech is all about problem solving. If you like to solve problems, if you're methodical, if you, if you, if you like to apply a structured approach to complex you know, solutioning, um, which most folks in the military, whether they realize it or not, probably do. And yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and once I was able to reframe it in that context, I realized that it was a, it was a fantastic fit for me, but it took some doing. Um, so I, I would offer that you don't always know where you're going to end up and you don't always know what's a good fit until you explore it. And, and so what I tell folks frequently is, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, that's, it's fine. It's a totally normal you know, most people don't, you got to test drive your life. You got to test drive different career paths. And how do you do that? Well, you talk to people first and foremost, you have informational interviews. You, you talk to people in different roles, whether it's Salesforce or something else, and you figure out what it's like through their eyes. And you know, if you're interested, then maybe you dabble a bit in Salesforce world. It's, it's trailhead. It's creating your own dev org and spinning it up and building apps. It's, you know, creating experience cloud site and creating your own, you know, um, digital portfolio. Uh, and other various things. Um, so I would just encourage people to be curious and, and don't don't think you know what you want because you may not. You, you got to have an open mind. Beginner's mindset is something we use often. I f- firmly believe in that and just explore the space. Very good thoughts on the subject, David. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'd like to ask you guys about some common misconceptions that civilian uh, organizations and companies may have about hiring veterans. Now, I've been in 
you know, recruiting and staffing for, I think it's 24 years now. It's been a long time and have placed a number of veterans, but I've more importantly, I've spoken to a lot of hiring managers and I've heard them object to hiring, not recently and not lately, and certainly, you know, would never be a lay down for, for this kind of pushback, but have heard them say, well, yeah, but we, we need people to think, um, you know, we need people who aren't just order takers. And I, I think that there might be some real common misconceptions about veterans joining the civilian workforce. I think that's one of them. Uh, I'm kind of curious if you've recognized similar misconceptions, either, you know, impacting your own career and career advancement, or some of the folks that you work alongside or, or just, you know, uh, brothers in arms from the past, if that misconception is one that's common, and if there are other misconceptions that we should take a moment to blow right out of the water right now, once and for all. Yeah, I can kind of take this one. Um, I would say that maybe five to 10 years ago, there might have been a a pause to hire veterans because you're worried that it's going to be, you know, Arlie Emery from, um, uh, what's that? Uh, what's the movie? The, uh, Stanley Kubrick movie. Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. You're thinking they're going to be just these, these, these guys that are going crazy and these girls. That this are is my crazy. rifle. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we are order takers. Um, we, we, we're driven. we, you know, and I would say for companies that 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 are looking to hire veterans, you know, I always say that veterans and, and veteran spouses are were kind of like a uh, an untapped rich oil field of experience. Um, we have a lot of leadership experience, no matter what branch you're in. Um, we are order takers, and we own what we own what we're what we're given. We're own we we own that job, and you know, we don't like to fail. We love to, we love to have a successful mission. And, and it's, it's that drive that I think that is really important. And, and you see with, it's really important to, to let veterans know that their experiences in the military, um, are important to those companies. And, um, yeah, but I would say like, uh, the biggest problem I've noticed for me with being a, you know, in the military is I have a, as a consultant um, now in, you know, civilian world is I don't ask why a lot, you know, you tell me to do something and I do it. And I don't have that, that, that experience yet to ask, well, why am I doing this? And, and I think as a consultant, um, it, that is important to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I would answer it is, you know, that's it. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, Vanessa talks about this a lot, right? Cause she's in the world of solutioning, but the, you know, she's the queen of BA and pipe up anytime, Vanessa, but that asking like, why, are we, I mean, we've got episodes and episodes dedicated to specifically that, like, well, but why do you want to do it that way? <laughs> Why does this even make sense? And like, how do we even know that this makes sense? So that's a critical point. And just so you know, um, you do not have to raise your hand, Dave. <laughs> you just jump right in. Buddy. All right. Yeah, I would. I would piggyback on that to say I think so. Spot on. It's not as prevalent today as it once was. 
But then again, I'm not looking at companies that don't have vibrant military communities. I won't even consider them. Uh, so all the companies that I reached out to, I knew for a fact before I, I even got started that they were going to be supportive based upon their presence in social media, their website, folks that I've talked to that work there. Um, so I had already removed all those companies that maybe have doubts about uh, the military community from my from my scan. Um, I will say that these days there's, there's probably a greater reluctance than from than veterans uh, hiring is is military spouse hiring. Um, simply because some male spouses don't want to self-identify, which is fine. Um, but regardless, when you look at a male spouse's... What do, you mean, what do you mean by that? You mean they don't want to say that they're a military spouse? Yes. Yep. So, okay. And there's, there's, two, right. there's two, you know, um, trains of thought with that. One, if you, if you identify as a male spouse, some folks feel that you'll automatically be excluded. Um, and some folks feel that, well, I should because, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. And, and it's not something that I, um, you know... I, I feel like, you know, they feel like it brings strengths and unique perspective to the, to the, um, the application process. And I would agree wholeheartedly really with both, right? Folks do discriminate based upon, um, based upon male spouse candidates and it does communicate a wealth of experience. Um, you know, the, the issue is that some employers will look at a male spouse's resume, LinkedIn profile, and they'll see they've worked at a variety of different employers, you know, sometimes is, frequently as every other year. And, you know, with that, without digging deeper, without truly seeking to understand, they just see someone that can't hold down a job or someone that, that maybe is flighty and, and doesn't, um, can't make up their mind, which is, you know, could be further from the truth. Mill spouses have to move quite a bit. Um, and sometimes they, for, you know, they're taking care of ex families and extended families, and maybe they also have gaps in employment. But what you have to take into consideration is they've done a wide variety of different jobs um, they are masters of flexibility, of change management, of problem solving, of firefighting, you name it. And they bring a wide variety of skills to the mix across a number of, of different, you know, meta areas. And those are the folks you want to hire. They're the people that get stuff done. Yeah, military, you know, military service members and veterans, yes. I mean, we, we, we get stuff done. But, you know, who's holding down the fort when, when we're off doing the military thing and, and handling all the issues that come up, it's, it's most spouses. So, um, I would like to see employers be more, um, more open to viewing their resumes, their LinkedIn profiles, their credentials with an open mind, instead of seeing someone that, you know, um, has changed jobs a lot. See someone that brings a wealth of experience. So to, to that, David, um, I know you touched on some of those transferable skills, but when you're mentoring folks that are um, transitioning from the military, what are the most prevalent transferable skills that people develop that they should be bringing up during their interviews when, when they're talking to people? Yeah, it's a great question. Skills translation is really tough. You know, take, for example, me, I was a naval flight officer for EA-6Bs. So my job day in, day out was jamming enemy radar and communications. And there's just no one in the civilian world that wants you to do that. It's illegal. So um, I had to take those those skills and, and convert them into skills that employers found valuable. Um, and when you don't have a tech background, when you don't have tech skills like I didn't, when you don't have a, a tech network, you kind of have to extrapolate and and move from the tactical kind of looking at your immediate skills to more of the strategic. And that's where 
I get into meta skills, you know, those skills that help you develop other skills, so those skills that help you do a wide variety of things. So to directly answer your question, that's things like problem solving. Uh, you know, we, we're really good at problem solving because every two, three years, we move to a different duty station and we have to, we don't get job, on the job training. We just have to figure it out and do it. And then you move again, you figure it out and you do it again. Um, and so that, that breeds the ability to, you know, approach the situation, uh, ass, you know, assess it, size it up, figure out what the issue is, root cause analysis, solve the problem, triage, and, um, you know, manage it. So that's one thing. Um, the ability to learn, which a lot of people take for granted, but it's a skill. How do you rapidly take in information and make use of it is absolutely a skill. Um, and so we have to, not, not just military uh, service members, but spouses as well, have to rapidly learn new things very quickly and put them into play. So that's another skill that we bring. You know, conflict management, um, <laughs> going off to war or fighting fires at home necessarily is very stressful, very difficult, and you have to be able to do it with a cool head. Um, so there's that. And, and I can keep going on and on and on, but there are these foundational skills that a lot of people have, but no one really has in the same, to the same degree, the same quantity that the military community does that we bring to the job space and that you can't, you just simply can't train them. It'd take years and years and years. You can't train someone to be a problem solver, train someone to recognize and put out fires. Um, so, you know, you hire for that and you train the, the technical skills later. Exactly. You know, I, I love that we're talking about this right now. And those are terrific points, David. I, I like to think of them less as skills and more as behaviors, right? Like you have a behavior of like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this done no matter what. I understand that there's going, there are going to be obstacles in the way. That's why I've got the job is to figure out how to overcome these obstacles and to not stop until I've overcome it. Right. But that's a, that's a, that's an attitude. It's a behavior, um, that, that equates specifically to results regardless of the obstacle in front. Right. And so for those listening, whether it's live or on the podcast, when you are considering, um, making a transition or trying to figure out like, how do I, I mean, how do I transition or how do I specifically describe, um, you know, like Phil, for example, like, you know, I'm on the ground targeting specifically where, where the Air Force needs to drop ordinance, right? Like, but what were the behaviors, attitudes that I had to use and approach? What was the tempo of my thinking? Um, how was I competent? What were my competencies? under extreme stress, right? And, and being able to articulate those behaviors, articulate those attitudes, I think is a really great way to at least begin figuring out those skill sets, you know, that those keywords, buzzwords that people are looking for, AI scanning on your resume, right? But that you can really articulate when you're sitting down face-to-face, -face, either in person or maybe on a Google Meet or a Zoom meeting, for your first interview. Um, and when, you, when you've developed the ability to articulate those behaviors or those meta skills, um, you're, you're gonna be a lot more confident going into, this, into the session, into the meeting, and truly stand out. So really great points. Let's, let's ask Phil for a second, how did you translate what you did to getting to the point where you were able to obtain a, a whole new career? 
as a consultant? So what I would do is I would, I looked at like my EPRs and I really kind of got down to what exactly I was doing. Like uh, case in point, um, being a JTAC, you know, calling in airstrikes, doing all that stuff. Like what was I actually doing to, to do that? I was doing, um, talking to the ground commander, talking to the on-scene commander and saying, Hey, sir, you know, ma'am, this is what is going on. This is what I recommend. That is consulting. You're, you're finding a solution to a problem. You're giving the client a, what your recommendation is, and they can either buy it or they can, you know, Hey, I don't, you know, disagree with it. Um, so that was how I kind of figured out, being a JTAC was being a consultant. Um, you know, I was also a battalion air liaison officer. Like I was, I was a, in charge of five or six individuals. And so I had to think about it. Okay. So I'm a, you know, we, we called ourselves Balos. So I'm a Balo. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm in charge of these people. What am I doing? I'm managing these people. So I was a manager. And then once you kind of figure out that, like, Rosetta Stone of military to civilian um, comparison, it became really easy. That being said, it wasn't easy figuring it out. It was always that challenge. So that was, uh, you know, what I would, what I did. And I would also reach out to veterans that were working at firms and, and companies and ask them for their resumes and, Hey, can I see your resumes? Can I see what verbiage you use and figure out what they did? And that, that helped me a lot, just getting out there and and talking to veterans because, you know, we're 1% of the, of the population and we're all, we're a community and we're always going to want to help each other out. Like, you know, David, he, you know, he's probably helped out thousands upon thousands of veterans and, and, and spouses. And, you know, that's, that's one thing is you're not, you're not going to go through this journey alone. You need to, but you have to be willing to ask for that help. So that's kind of how I did it. I, I, I figured out what I did. And if I didn't have a good answer, just reached out to people for help. Well, that's a smart move, man, right? Because it's not the how, it's the who half the time, right? And and I think a lot of times people are, how do I do this? How, how do I do this? How do I do this? And really, it's like, who knows this? <laughs> that's the shortcut. Who knows this shit already? Let me go talk to them and figure out what they've done. And you guys know this stuff, which is why you're on the show. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're able to be here and share this right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I was actually just going to throw in just a to add on to the the point about reaching out to people. Um, so from my experience, um, I know at my company, uh, we are part of the Hiring Our Heroes program. And at, at several times at this point, um, as so I, I, I'm sure David and, and uh, Phil can probably explain the Hiring Our Heroes program better than I could. I can certainly talk through my experience of working with folks um, when, once they've already joined. But um, part of 
what it is is that there's a few different programs that are offered. They get to um, work over the course, I think, of ten to twelve weeks um, at a at, at a company, um, and then at the end, the the company decides if they're going to move forward and hire that person. But what I thought was was great was when folks reached out to me, like they just found me on LinkedIn, noticed I had worked at one of the organizations that was part of the program and asked me about my experience at the company, just so that they could get an idea of, you know, what the salaries were like, what the promotion path was like, what the program was like, if they, if they chose my company to, to join. Um, but for sure, reaching out to people just want to echo how important that is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the difference between job and no job often times, right? Um, I, I can't tell you how many times people reach out to me every single day. I probably get, uh, it's like 20, 30, 40 invites um, a day on LinkedIn. And not all of them, but uh, enough of them, maybe 25 to 30, 40% have a question, right? Like, how do I do this? Or how do I get into that? Or how do I do this and that? The other thing, which is, of course, the whole reason why we started this show a few years ago was to give people that platform. Now, You've got a platform, David, for military folks, but I'm curious, do you have a recommendation um, for the people listening here right now who, who may be active duty or maybe they just, you know, they just got off base and, and they're exploring a new career in the civilian world, whether it's Salesforce or, or another tech company or just neither, but a professional career in the civilian world, you know, there's... There's a challenge, I think, for veterans uh, coming out of that very, I don't even want to say insular because it's so its so big, but making that transition from uh, military to, to, to civilian, which is the network, right? When you go from your network or the majority of your network are other military professionals versus civilian professionals, would you, for instance, recommend that even if someone's active duty and they're going to be, they've got a couple more years to go? before they transition. For instance, would you recommend that they get a, a LinkedIn profile now and start exploring as early as a couple of years before a, a transition happens and, and start just kind of getting used to the technical speak and the way civilian communication in business um, is different because it is um, than in the military? Or, or do you have some other advice of what can people be doing now before they even exit? Yeah. Um, I- so short answer, 100%, absolutely. Um, the one thing you can't do is rush relationships. You can't build relationships in a vacuum. You can't build them very rapidly and, and, and you know create them in an emergency. Um, you have to have them already built in order to access them and derive value from them. Um, so I always tell people, start two years out. Even if you don't know what you want to do, it takes a long, some, in some cases, a long time to figure that out. Start two years out, create a LinkedIn profile, you know, um, dress for the role that you want. So you probably shouldn't have your military photo in there. Uh, if you're going to be transitioning and getting out, if, if you're, if you're you know, farther out than that, sure. Have your military photo in there, but change it later on. Um, and start putting your experience in there, translating it as best you can, uh, cause it's a skill. It takes time, um, and practice to master translating those skills and begin connecting with people. Um, uh, but have a purpose, right? Have an idea of where you want, you know, have an idea of the, of the end that, the end in mind and where you want to go. So don't just like what I did as I, I was I'm like, okay, I have to have a LinkedIn profile. So I created one a couple years out. I began connecting with everybody across all industries. Essentially that becomes useless, right? Because your feed is going to be filled with noise. Um, you need to figure out at least an industry, if not, 
you know, if not an industry, then um, go even narrower and figure out exactly where in that industry, maybe even a company that you want to work at or several companies and begin connecting with everyone in that industry at those specific targeted companies immediately. And, you know, um, start creating content, start interacting with their content, ask for informational interviews, build those relationships, put the time and effort into it. And it'll do a couple things. One, you're going to gradually, after having conversations, you know, within your desired industry, learn the industry language and be able to translate your skills much more easily because it is a different language than one you're not well equipped to speak if you've been talking, you know, military speak your whole life. Um, and two, you're going to have those relationships that you can then leverage when it's time to actually, uh, you know, transition and you're looking for work. Um, so I would absolutely start early, start a couple of years out, build the, build the network. And every day, what I would do um, is I would get up in, in the morning early and I would connect with 15 different people every single day. Uh, I'd send them a targeted, targeted LinkedIn message uh, to say, hey, you know, Dave Nava, transitioning such and such date, prospective Salesforce professional, would love to connect with you and add you to my network. And I had a little template that I had, um, and I would copy and paste it into the message and then add their first name, maybe add a couple more personalized details, because you got to be able to do it quickly. It's 15 after all, not like two. Uh, but that's how I generated, by the time I was getting ready to retire, so, you know, thousands of connections. Uh, and I began having conversations with people and informational interviews and generating, the, you know, creating those relationships. So, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll pause after this, but I think... Uh, a mistake that a lot of people make, whether or not you're military or not, it applies across the board, is they wait too long. You know, like, okay, well, I'm six months out. Now I'll start thinking about creating a network. And no, nah, it's too late. I mean, you can still do it. And by all means, if you're six months out and you're like, I don't have one, start now. Um, but you really should start as early as you possibly can because um, it takes time. Yeah, it really does. Everything takes time, right? I think a great way to approach it is to be thinking about whether you, and this this applies, by the way, for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're if you're listening to this and you're not military and you're wondering if this uh, all of this advice, recommendations, and insights being shared apply to you. I'm telling you, it does. Of course, it does. A hundred percent. And Dave Dave just threw up a hundred percent sign. So yes, a hundred percent, it does. Right. Uh, one of my sons, my youngest son is looking at colleges, right? He's going to be a senior this year. I've got one in, at U of O in the business program already. But when you start thinking about colleges, and this is difficult for 14 year olds, is to start thinking about college when you're 14. That's in, like impossible. You know, like you're trying to figure out how to, you know, maybe it's how to not get beat up in the hallway or, you know, how to even do homework or have some level of success or to find your social group and figure out how to communicate with your parents differently, even though you're sort of this half adult. Like there's a lot of stuff to figure out at that age. But if you're not thinking about college when you're 14, it's unlikely you're going to ha have a top 20 school offered to you, much less a scholarship, if you're not thinking about it that early because every year years of grades counts, right? And it's no different in the civilian world. I, I was speaking with someone earlier today, just to kind of tie it into the civilian world for a moment. I spoke with someone who works at, uh, at a Salesforce partner, maybe about 1,000, 1,500 person partner. And they're, they're in the account executive uh, field. And he's was curious about the market. And we'll be talking about the market here in just a few minutes. But he was talking about the market and what should he do? Because he's not making the money that he 
he once was. He, he worked at a very large, well-known software sales organization doing enterprise sales. And in his best year, he made $800,000. Just absolutely an incredible salary or salary plus commission to earn for anybody. Like it's an enormous amount of money. And so he was feeling a little bit frustrated. And the advice I gave to him is like, look, wherever you are, you've already got the runway of a year and a half at this company, right? So if, if you're not getting sales, maybe it's the market, but maybe it's you. Like maybe there's something that you haven't figured out yet. And if you go and try and go get a new career at a different company right now, and you don't have the stats to support that you're a badass for the last two years in a slightly wonky market, why are they going to take the risk on you? And why is there an expectation that you're going to start actually making more money there than you would in the role that you've already got a year and a half, two years under your belt with, right? You have to start thinking about that now. So in short, to cut this short, my advice was, figure it out and get some really awesome sales under your belt over the next three to six months. And then you can really start looking because if you don't have those successes, if you can't articulate your successes, um, then it's just a, it's not a compelling story, right? For someone to take a risk on you. And anytime someone hires anybody, they're taking a risk. You're taking a risk too. All right. It's a shared risk and everyone's trying to figure out how to de-risk it (laughs) the most. That's why we have interviews. That's why we do reference checks. And that's why every single step of the process to landing a job, whether it's going from lead solution engineer, you know, in one organization to director of delivery in another organization or whatever that jump is going to be, you have to have some proof and some successes to capitalize and be able to articulate. And the, the time to start thinking about getting the next job, if that next job is six months, 12 months, a year, two years out, well, then you better have some badass references. So what can you do in your current role right now to create some massive, uh, massively powerful examples and stories around how you are a successful person, no matter where you are? So, all right, that's my little, that's my little diatribe. Um, we're coming up on uh, 45 minutes, so we're going to wrap up this section of our live show and we'll, we'll also kind of bring a close to this podcast. But um, if you're listening to the live show, don't go anywhere because we are going to be launching part two. We're doing things a little bit different because these shows tend to run long and because people's appetite for po- podcasts tends to be a little bit shorter than the length of these shows, we're dividing it into two. So um, stay tuned. We're going to be back in just a moment with um, David Nava and Phil Anderson and and Vanessa. And by the way, we'll get a chance to introduce ourselves to Vanessa because I don't think either of us introduced ourselves on, on this show. But let's do a quick little wrap up here. And then we're going to come back and start tackling some questions like what the heck is going on in the Salesforce economy and the tech economy in general or the general economy in general? What are some of the things that you can do to stand out from the crowd to actually land a job in a difficult, slightly difficult um, uh, economic situation, which we actually are in right now, hiring has slowed and we need to adapt, right? So we're going to do that. Um, so Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Phil, thank you so much for being on the show and everybody else don't go away. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you hang out because in less than a week, this second part of this show is going to be on and you're going to want to stick around because we dive into some very important and interesting subjects. Okay. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you.